Maybe you or someone you know has a serious medical condition. Maybe you're just looking for answers on why you're not feeling well. Well, we've got a great show for you on KLBJ. Hi, I'm Ron Aaron with WellMed Radio, an entertaining and detailed look at health and wellness for seniors and other adults age 18 to 101. We bring you recommendations on how to live longer and healthier lives. Tune in to WellMed Radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. with the Caregiver SOS show immediately following right here on News Radio KLBJ. Live and local, every afternoon, 2 to 4. This is Mark, Melinda, and Ed on News Radio KLBJ. Call or text them at 512 836 0590. Thank you for having me on. Now, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Good afternoon, Ed. How Hello. are you? I'm doing great, Mark. What a day outside. Man, get the roof off this room here. Let's let's get some sun. Let's get some sun. It is gorgeous. I'll start cranking here. Crank, crank, get crank. Get that thing back. Okay. How are you, Melinda? I'm well, thank you. Good. You just heard President Biden in the Fox News update. More and more Republican senators are saying they will vote no on the package of money for Ukraine, Israel, Gaza, and the U.S. border. President Biden spoke moments ago. He said if this bill is defeated, it's all on the hands of the Republicans. A failure to support Ukraine at this critical moment will never be forgotten. The position of the MAGA Republicans can be characterized by the New York Times headline. First, and this is the headline, it reads, Trump first, Putin second, America third. That cannot pertain. What bull corn. Uh to say one here we are again they're talking about ukraine first he wants this for all of the money for ukraine right uh, then more money's going to ukraine more money's going to israel and then there's america again it is america last but it has nothing to do with trump and everything to do with the way this administration has set this up what do you make of it, Ed? Well, I think Melinda's right because it's at the hands of Joe Biden. Granted, the Republicans, I thought they had a deal. Then the president, former President Trump and others said, no, no, no. And I think some Republicans are scared of, of Donald Trump. But the speaker said he never, never wanted the Senate. They well, never wanted the Senate bill in this. So it was an impasse. Uh, a long time ago, but to, to to cast blame all on Donald Trump is not right. It's what Joe Biden's been doing for the last three and a half years, for goodness sake. To sakes. even suggest that Trump is responsible for Republicans not voting yes for this bill is absolutely ludicrous. Read the bill. It speaks for itself why you should vote no. Yeah, just one key part is it would legalize Thousands of people crossing the border every day. Every 5,000, the number was, Mark? Well, 4,000 on a seven-day yeah. average, and then 5,000 would trigger other actions. Even at 4,000, it's left up to Mayorkas to decide if he wants to take action to try to close the border. Again, someone needs to ask, if this is the toughest border bill, why are we allowing for any illegal to come in? Yet alone... 4,000 on average mm-hmm. for seven days. It's mm-hmm. not a tough, it's not, if you're going to have that many people coming over every day, for goodness sakes. Here is Biden uh, pledging to make this his central campaign issue. But if the bill fails, I want to be absolutely clear about something. The American people are going to know why it failed. 
I'll be taking this issue to the country. And the voters are going to know that it's not just a moment. Just at the moment, we're going to secure the border and fund these other programs. Trump and the MAGA Republicans said no, because they're afraid of Donald Trump. <sighs> afraid of Donald Trump. Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican yeah. friends. Good luck with that. It's a reach, Good Mr. President. luck with that. That is a reach. Uh, anybody yeah. just has to go four years under Trump. How many have come in? Four years under Biden. How many have come in? Uh, anybody can go to any of these mayors in these Democrat cities and say, the four years under Trump. Were your finances suffering because you were having to put that money towards caring for all of these people that are here illegally? Or was that just under the four Mm -hmm. years under Biden? Mm. Uh, Good luck. If that's your message, good luck. The voters are not going to believe that it's Biden who wants to shut down the border and Trump who wants to open the border. They're just not going to buy that. Well, if they read the bill... This doesn't shut down the border. I don't care what no, side you're on no. or who you want for president. Nothing in this bill says shut it down. Not at all, because that 4,000 is a huge number. Training up to 5,000, that's still a heck of a lot of people coming over every day. Here is uh, Biden with more of his comments. So Republicans have to decide, who do they serve? Donald Trump or the American people? Are they here to solve problems? or just weaponize those problems for political purposes. I know my answer. I serve the American people. Hmm. I'm here to solve problems. Hmm. You well, mean you're, the you're ones you created and then yeah. you want to throw some more money, <laughs> our money, at uh, what you're saying is this a is, solution and it's not? This is the old sidestep, Mr. President. You cannot sidestep what you've been doing for three and a half years. Well, and he also said today... Th- he actually said the goal is to make sure that we make everyone here illegally a citizen. Mm. The millions that he has let in, if they are in here today, he wants them to be citizens. Yeah, there's another part of that package, too, that you really need to focus on. Most of these people crossing illegally would immediately get legal work permits. Mm-hmm. That speaks volumes right there. That's your step in to getting citizenship, Mark. Well, and not only that, there is another little part in there that says anybody that is wanting to refute this, let's say Texas, and you know, Texas has been trying to fight the Biden administration on this, it would have to go exclusively to the court in D.C., the district court in D.C. So Texas couldn't file here in Texas. They would have to file there. Uh, If today is any indication of how that district court in D.C., comes up with decisions, it's not favorable for the majority of Americans. Mitch McConnell has repeated today that he advised the Republican senators to vote against this. His advice was given in a closed-door meeting yesterday afternoon, and then he said today publicly, he said, I advised him, vote against it. They need nine Republicans to move this thing forward, to get a vote total of 60 then to begin real debate. And they're not going to get it at this point. No, they're not going to get it. And this is McConnell trying to cover cover his behind a bit. Um, If this wasn't good, McConnell, then why have you been sitting in secret having these discussions and then came out 
uh, early on Monday and was all for it. We we need to get this to the floor and get that vote taken. And then you're like, uh-oh, not everybody's on board with me. Okay, no, we're, we're not going to push it. Yeah, he said conditions have changed mm. since we began mm. negotiations four months ago. The public's attitudes have changed. Conditions have changed. He also said, this is McConnell, uh, I would like for us to go ahead and find a way to get the money for Ukraine and Israel and uh, maybe come back to the border at another time. Well, this is <laughs> such a political hot potato right now. And, Mel, Joe Biden's done nothing for three and a half years. And now trying to throw, cast all the blame to Donald Trump's and MAGA Republicans is almost, no, it is completely laughable. I think we may differ. I support supporting Ukraine. I think we need to spend, need to send more arms over there and to help Israel. I'm not sure at the levels they want to, but it's ridiculous to say we've got a border security bill when you're still allowing at least 4,000 a day. That makes no sense. No sense. And the Biden administration is still in control of who, who gets in, what they do. That's That makes no sense to me. So in other words, nothing changes on the border, but even McConnell's proposal there I'm all for separating it, but the border should be first. The border bill should be what comes first, gets a vote, gets gets that taken care of, and then we can look at sending more money elsewhere. Here are the numbers. We'd like to hear your thoughts. Call or text us, 512-836-0590. It's Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Enjoy the podcasts of Mark, Melinda, and Ed at your convenience. You'll find them on NewsRadioKLBJ.com or via the free KLBJ app. 215, thanks a lot for joining us. Tate is here producing, and this is Shannon in Round Rock. Hello, Shannon. How are you this afternoon? Good afternoon. Um, I just wanted to say, um, you know, let's be clear, and this is just my opinion, but I don't think this path to citizenship has much of anything to do with everyone coming here from every country in the world wanting to be U.S. citizens. I mean, we've had people in this country for 5, 10, 15, 20 years maybe, and they haven't taken one foot, one step towards becoming a U.S. citizen. This is all about the left trying to build their base because they know the tides are turning and they know that people are just sick and tired of the left and they're just not going to vote for them anymore. So they're looking to build their voter base. That's pretty much, I think, what it is. I agree. I think they're trying to build... It's all about votes. It's all about new people in the country. It's all about getting them to become citizens as quickly as possible so they can vote and they can redistrict and they can have democratic strongholds all over the country. Shannon, thank you. Have a good afternoon. Were you going to make a point there, Melinda? Uh, why else would you allow for millions upon millions to come in here illegally and then get up and say, well, we need to give them citizenship? There's only one reason to do that, and it's not to fill jobs. To lock in permanent political power. Absolutely. Dwayne is in uh, Red Rock on KLBJ. Good afternoon, Dwayne. Welcome. Hey. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask Ed about um, why wouldn't he support America first rather than sending all that money over to uh, um, the Russia conflict? And, uh, you know, we don't 
we don't have no business in that fight at all because we can't even take care of ourselves. Our, our, our country is in shambles, and it's not, I mean, let's go with America first. Then we can help everybody else out once we get our stuff straightened out. Well, I just disagree. I think this is aggression by Putin, and I think if we would just lay down and play dead, uh, what country would be next for Putin to overturn? I think any time we can degrade his army, it's a safer thing for Americans, sir. That's where I come from. Yes, we need to take America first, but we're not in shambles in this country. we got a lot of problems, mainly because of the left has put in a lot of big, big problems with defund the police and all the things with our DAs. we got a lot of problems here, but I just disagree. I think I think we can help Ukraine and degrade Russia. Well, the fact is that you're saying we need to degrade Russia. We don't need to do nothing for Russia or to Russia or for Ukraine. We have no business over there in that fight. If, this, if we're wanting to degrade Russia, we've been degraded already by the pullout in uh, Afghanistan. We've been degrading ourselves. Let's take care, get ourselves straightened out before we even mess with anybody else. How can we say that when we can't even figure out which bathrooms we're supposed to use? All right, uh, Dwayne, thank you. <laughs> Going back to the bathrooms. <laughs> well, there's a lot. There's so much that is on the wrong track here. Uh, my biggest question when it comes to Ukraine is how does continuous additional money change things? We've been in this for two years now, and nothing has really changed. You know, Russia will go ahead and then Ukraine will go ahead. What's changing is there's just a whole bunch of death to innocent people. Why are we not calling for an immediate, y'all need to come to the table? Ceasefire. Mel, I, I agree with that exactly. And we don't have that leadership in Washington with the Biden administration. We need to have better leadership from this country to say, we have propped up Ukraine for a long time. Let's stop the killing of innocent people and let's get to the table. Period. I think you're exactly right, Mel. Here's Biden uh, today, just moments ago, with more comments about Ukraine. First, it provides urgent funding for Ukraine. I'm wearing my Ukraine tie, my Ukraine pin, which I've been wearing because they're, they're in dire everything. straits right now, defending themselves against a Russian onslaught. Yeah. A brutal conquest. The clock is ticking. Every week, every month that passes, Without new aid, Ukraine means fewer artillery shells, fewer defense air, air defense systems, fewer tools for Ukraine to defend itself against this Russian onslaught. Just what Putin wants. So today we find out that President Biden is the president of Ukraine. It's kind of like the, the Congresswoman Somalia first. He's Ukraine first today. Listen, you can support Ukraine, Ukraine with flags in your front yard and that kind of stuff, but, you know, that's a little pandering, Mr. President. But uh, we know your position. We know your position. Yeah, you're in on the take here, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> you have to keep uh, cuddling up to Ukraine because who knows all the reasons why. And That's that just ridiculous that you would get up. Uh, he hardly does any of these things where he gets up and has a press conference and he decides to wear the Ukrainian tie. I have no words. I have no words. All right, 512-836-0590. We want to hear your words. Call or text to join the conversation. We also have news out of Michigan where the mother of that high school boy who murdered four classmates at his high school 
has been found guilty of four counts of involuntary manslaughter. It's the first time a parent of a school shooter has been convicted of homicide in connection with the attack. Jennifer Crumley is the mother. The father is also charged on four counts. He'll be tried at a later date. I think they got it right here. Uh, I thought that this was the right move from the beginning when they first came up with the charges. After hearing some of the things that were testified to during the trial, it was very clear that this needed to be a guilty verdict. I, there, there were so many things that this husband and wife did, not even taking their son home when he had those drawings, didn't check his backpack before he went and did the, the melee, the shooting, killed all those innocent people, just a total disregard of being parents. And I think this sends a very strong message to all American parents out there. You got to do the right thing or you could be facing the music if your child does something really bad. Is that a good thing in your view, Ed? Yes, I think it's a good thing, Mark. I think there are a lot of cases, there are a lot of great parents out there who work with their kids, who think they're doing the right thing, and you just have a bad kid. In this case, they enabled, I believe, this young man to do all the bad things he did. That's what I think. Uh, you can weigh in with your thoughts at 512-836-0590. It was brought out during the trial uh, in the journal of the murderer that he believed he was mentally ill and wanted help, but his parents were ignoring his cries for help. They did go out and buy him a gun, took him to the range shortly before the mass murder that he committed. Mm. So all of that was testimony presented to the jury. Yeah, and I found it... Some new information I didn't know is when the school officials testified during this trial. We all know about how they called the parents in and the parents refused to take the kid from the school. And then he went back into the classroom and that's when he started shooting. Uh, The school officials said they told the parents, we're worried about his mental health. You need to immediately get him help. Here's some facilities that provide same day mental care services and the parents said we've got to go back to work you handle it and if he leaves the school he's going to walk home and be home by himself and the school officials were like that's probably just as bad to have him at home by himself why they sent him back to the classroom i don't think anybody will ever understand that Mm -hmm. But it at least sheds some more light as to why he was still at that school and that these parents just didn't care about them. They they were giving him, look, from here, drive him to this mental health facility, drop him off. They will take him. And they didn't do that. Let's go to Daniel in North Austin, Mark, Melinda and Ed. Welcome, Daniel. Yes. Good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? Great, Daniel. Thank you. What are your thoughts on this case? My comment is. What's next? The parents give this young guy, 18 years old, he's got, he just got his driver's license. So he gets in the car, he drinks one beer, but he kills five people. So they want to charge him with alcoholic intoxication. They want to hold the parents responsible. So where are we, where are we going with this? I mean, is that, that easy to charge everybody and anybody? So do we hold the, the state accountable Well, that's an interesting point, Daniel. There's a law professor in the Wall Street Journal report on this trial, Jeffrey Swartz, who says that this sets a very dangerous precedent. Anything in your house that could be a weapon 
could be a basis for you, the parent, to be held liable if your child did anything to someone else. He's not a fan of bringing the charges against these parents. Okay, this isn't they took a frying pan from the kitchen and banged somebody over the head and they died. Uh, I think it would most it it would have to be on a case by case basis. This was an obvious that these parents were not parenting or doing what was best for this child, whether it was getting him mental health or taking him from the school that day. They were not doing their job, and that's why she was found guilty. Yeah, this is this is a far, far more complex, Daniel, than the kid drinking a beer and having a wreck and killing somebody. That's it's That was one beer. This is the gun that she bought for him that was an unsupervised weapon. Uh, she and her husband, as we've chronicalized, did not take him home from school, did not check his backpack, and said, oh, let it go back to school, and then he killed those people after that. Here are the numbers, 512-836-0590. It's Mark, Melinda, and Ed on KLBJ. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. Now, here are Mark, Melinda, and Ed. 232, thank you for joining us. Tate is here producing. One of the stories we're discussing is a jury in Michigan has convicted the mother of a high school student who murdered four of his fellow students at the high school in 2021. The mother was found guilty of four counts of involuntary manslaughter. This is a very unusual case. Some say it is the first time in the U.S. a parent of a school shooter has been convicted of homicide in connection with the attack. Ronnie is on B Caves on KLBJ. Good afternoon, Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, hello, Ronnie. Um, I think you guys all nailed it. I mean, I, I have to admit, I was very wary of these charges when they were first brought. You know, these parents are not the trigger pullers, and I thought it was potentially a very dangerous precedent. But uh, prosecution really revealed some some very negligent, very, you know, I don't know, some some very bad parenting uh, things that happened that led to this tragedy. And I, I really, after having learned some of those uh, those points of the trial, uh, really flip-flopped on this thing. I, I think even though this is new precedent, uh, these I'm surprised these parents weren't also, you know, hit with some sort of criminal negligent charges, given what I've heard. I mean, this kid sounds like a few times that actually cried out for help, said he really needed mm-hmm. mental care. Um, you know, reported having hallucinations to his parents. His dad told him to suck it up and take a pill. I mean, these parents were yeah. absolutely part of the blame of the situation, as tragic as it was. Well, yeah. I mean, and who's to say, had they not purchased that gun, things may have been completely different. Uh, he wouldn't have had the access to that to take into the school them knowing his mental health condition to go out and purchase a gun for him. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't as if they had a gun in the house already and failed to secure it. They went and purchased the gun for him. It, That's correct. And what I learned today, though, was this, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but there were only two handguns already in the home. But this kid in particular said he wanted, really wanted a 9 millimeter, And his dad took him on Black Friday with the kid's own money that he earned from waiting tables and allowed him to purchase that firearm. So there were already guns in the house. This kid wanted a nine for whatever reason. Probably it's a very popular cartridge. But uh, I, I did not know that either. So there were already firearms in the house, and 
sound like these were one of those families, you know, families that visited the range together. And, you know, yeah. like I said, you know, I was wary of these charges at first, after having raised two sons and were now in college and were around firearms and hunted and enjoyed the outdoors and practiced gun safety growing up. It, I was kind of like, whoa, wait a second. You know, we can't start blaming parents. But like I said, the, the facts really revealed that this uh, was just tragic negligence on their part. Absolutely, Agreed. it was. Agreed, it was. And it's unusual, and I think, again, this is going to take a deep pause to parents out there, but you think of all the parents who bought their kids' gun, was it, uh, was the first in Connecticut, Mark, help me out, Mel, the first shooting, she took, uh, took, the, took the child out for target shooting, and he's a guy that stayed in his room and had all the charts and everything. Stone, uh, uh, the, the Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's a wake-up call for these people. I certainly think so. Well, thanks, guys, for taking my call. Appreciate Thank you. The discussion. Have a good Thanks. day, sir. We appreciate it. 512-836-0590. You can call, you can text to join the conversation. The father is going to be tried separately from the mother. And when you think about the, the events as they unfolded, the mom and dad both had multiple opportunities to stop this murder from happening, and they didn't do it. And I think yeah. that that's, that plays a huge part into why th they are coming back with a guilty verdict. I, I wouldn't expect anything less from the father. I, I do know that this monster had mentioned his mom specifically in the diary. We'll wait and hear and see if he had said things about the dad as well. I don't think that that was the okay moment for the jury to go, okay, we're going to do this. I just think... When you take it all into account that he was crying out, um, and then they just go and purchase him a gun, yeah. or that the school officials say, y you need to check him into a mental health facility right now, and they chose to walk, walk away out. from They walked son. out and mm -hmm. check the backpack. She walk could out. get up to 15 years in prison. How would you vote as a member of the jury? I, Max. I, I, would, I would give her, I don't know what a year's, why, years, but put her in jail for at least 10 years. The max. If it's 15, it's then mm -hmm. 15 it should be. We'll probably have to serve a third of that, so, yeah. A three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C. has dismissed former President Trump's argument that he had presidential immunity from prosecution after leaving office. This is a, a key point in this case, the January 6th case, Trump now has a few days to file an appeal with the United States Supreme Court. This three panel, uh, this judge panel said, we're not going to put this order into effect until Trump uh, decides what to do about appealing to the Supreme Court. So Trump was arguing, look, all presidents need immunity from criminal charges after leaving office. Otherwise, you're going to have your political opponents waiting to charge you with crimes based on actions and decisions you made as president. And this is the part that's confusing to me. The charges that are against him in this case were things that they're saying he did while he was still president. Correct. It was before January so 21st. I don't understand... 20th why we're even talking about him not being president anymore. And in this, it says the purpose of this criminal case, president, former president Trump has become citizen Trump, but the charges are about when he was in office. So whatever applies when he's in office, 
I think personally should stick. Now, Immunity. if this was something that he did outside of office, mm-hmm. okay, then yeah, he's citizen Trump. He was no longer president, but the charges stem back he was still to president. I know. Yeah, yeah. so it's, that's why I'm a little confused on this. I'm confused on this too. Granted, I think the, I think Donald Trump did wrong in trying to overthrow the election. That was wrong, but the actions he took, he was still president at that time. He was still president. I think he still had the immunity. I, I'm t- terribly confused about this whole deal. Trump's uh, team says that they will appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. Oh, absolutely. Court. 512-836-0590. You can weigh in on that one as well. Paul is near Bastrop at 239. Good afternoon, Paul. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. Afternoon, folks. Appreciate you taking my call. Just a little frustrated. I'm, I'm thinking about how we reconcile the prosecution of these parents to all of the dozens, hundreds, whatever that number is, of shootings and killings that have taken place in the urban cities uh, by all these youngsters. They're either gangs or no gangs, but they certainly have parents, and their parents have not done anything to uh, to, to, to intervene. They, they let the kids live on the street. They let the kids... It, it just seems a little lopsided that we're, we've picked out this very visible shooting to, to take these parents and charge them. Now, I'm not going to disagree these parents did some very unwise things, but uh, there's a lot of parents that have kids that have gone bad, and we don't do anything about it. Well, and I, I think we've mentioned several times, depending on what age the kid is and what crime they're committing, we probably should be holding parents more accountable than we are. No, I don't disagree, but we're not. And so that's, that's the problem. Is it, it's probably impossible to police that to the extent that we should. But, and maybe this will do something to encourage those parents. I doubt it. They probably lost control of their kids a long time ago. Um, I, I, Paul, I think it's a case-by-case yeah. deal. Where, where I see it, I think this case, the evidence was there that these parents... Uh, willingly got the kid the gun, willingly did not try to stop him from leaving school. They did so many things. In the case of the uh, inner city where these kids get guns and kill, I can hear parents say, listen, we thought he was in bed. We don't own any guns. We thought we were doing the right thing. And this is just, Paul, I believe bad kids getting the bad group. Yeah, but we're not asking those questions. We're only asking the questions in this case. That's, that's what bothers me. Do, well, do you think I hear what you're saying? Ed. Yeah. The questions need to be asked. We need to be saying uh, to what extent did these parents know or help this child commit the crime? Oh, I, I agree. Uh, you know, when when I grew up, I'm 70. When I grew up, you know, parents were held accountable and responsible for their kids, and that's where the failures are. We we've, we've turned over our our you know our responsibilities nowadays to schools or somebody else. And, and it's frustrating. I don't say these kids, these parents shouldn't be prosecuted, but we seem to be, you know, doing this primarily because it's such a visible and horrible shooting, which it is, and they it should be. But All right. Uh, thank you, Paul. You have a good one. You can weigh in with your thoughts. Calls and texts at 512-836-0590. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. And you can stream the show live on your digital device via the free news radio KLBJ app. Now, here are Mark, Melinda, and Ed. 
One of the stories we're discussing is a jury in Michigan has convicted the mother of a high school mass murderer. She's been found guilty on four counts of involuntary manslaughter in the case, and John wants to weigh in at 247. Hi, John. How are you this afternoon? Just fine, folks. How are you doing? Great. Welcome, sir. So, so, so my wife was a school secretary for 20 years in Massachusetts, and the, the thing that caught my ear was when, uh, like, I think it was Melinda was saying that, uh, according to the records, the parents told the school, no, you take care of them. Um, that's not unusual. I mean, I can think of a couple of instances, one of which wound up to be uh, a student where they, the parents of the school was telling the, the father that the, the, the boy needed psychiatric help, and, and the father said, oh, no, he's fine. And like two hours later, uh, the kid's coming out of uh, his house pointing a rifle at the police, and you can guess what happened there. Hmm. But, I mean, uh, and like another child is really stuck in my mind because it, it just sounds so ridiculous a, a parent had a daughter in the school and was always in there you know demanding special attention the, the girl was a selective mute do you, do you know what that is no listen to what she wanted to listen to chooses <laughs> to speak only when she wants to exactly i mean wouldn't in my day a slap would have taken care of that pretty good you know <laughs> but but i i mean this is what schools are dealing with, and it's probably a lot worse. I mean, it got over the over the twenty years my wife was a secretary. Both the the administration and the and the students uh, like were in a downward spiral. But anyway, that's all I got. John, thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good afternoon. Yes, well, Melinda, and, and he is he is right. It is in a downward spiral. Um, these schools are being put in very tough positions when they don't have the support of parents and so that begs the question in a case like this i think the school was absolutely wrong by sending this kid back to the class they should have held him into solitary confinement called the police and said we got parents were here they refused to take him we're not we don't feel safe enough to send him back to class y'all need to do something with him. Um, So I I think the school was wrong in here, but they are under immense pressure to have to be the everything for these kids, the the food provider, the health counselor, the mental health counselor, the babysitter, because parents are taking a step back and they're hands off. And I think that's exactly why she got the, the guilty count on all four. Here are the numbers you can weigh in with your thoughts. 512-836-0590. President Biden has told CBS he will not accept their invitation for the traditional pre-Super Bowl presidential interview. It's the second year in a row. Biden has decided not to be interviewed right before the Super Bowl. CNN spoke with Biden's handlers at the White House to ask them, why is he not doing these interviews? And Biden's handlers say we have a new strategy for the the media and reaching the public. Well, it's a, it, you know what the media strategy is. You don't get him out. That's Avoid. what it is. <laughs> but this is, I scratch my head because this is layup city for these presidents. There are no hard questions. It's before the Super Bowl. It's before the biggest football game of the year. And it's just layup questions. And this would give Joe Biden an opportunity to sound presidential, act presidential, yada, da 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 Well, but, and there's the problem. I, he, talking today.
that was not a man I had a lot of faith in being. With the Ukraine tie? Uh, well, no, just the just the cadence of his speech, mm-hmm. just the volume of his speech, just the low energy of his speech isn't anything that I would come off going, man, he he just commands, you know, everyone to stand and, and pay attention to him. As far as the Super Bowl interview, who cares? Who actually was watching any of these? It's It's nothing that is going to be hard hitting. And I don't even really have that much of a problem with them saying, listen, we have a different world now where people access their information from many different places. It's not just traditional media, and we are reaching out to that. The problem is you're not going to get much questions when you do that, so there's not much you have to answer to. Um, and then the other part is, is I wonder the strategy about connecting with these online influencers what are they getting in return? Access. They get trips to the White House. They get to go. Is, is that have enough? Photo ops. Yeah, that'll. That, I think they think that'll increase their numbers. Yeah, that's and, what I think they get. And that's what the White House handlers are telling CNN that Biden's team is working hard to make him available to content creators on TikTok and YouTube. Lord. And they say we've also had him sit down for interviews with comedian Conan O'Brien and Anderson Cooper. And uh, we've also had him doing some local radio station interviews. So that's how we've decided to get him out there and put him in front of the public. Call him, Melinda. Tell him to come on our radio station. You've got pull up there in D.C. Well, as soon as I schedule that, I'm going to go ahead and take a day. <laughs> no. <laughs> Again, I don't have a problem with them moving along. I, I do think that it allows for him to not have to really answer any tough questions it just it will be very lighthearted, especially when it comes to the TikTok or the YouTube. It's going to be here's what we want y'all to tell. We saw it. We saw it with the gas prices. They they use that mm-hmm. uh, these influencers to just go out there and say it's Ukraine or it's Russia's it's Russia's right. fault. It's yeah. Russia's fault, um, with no real substance to back that up. And so I, I think it's an easy out for them to say we're granting access in more non-traditional ways so we're really breaking ground here (laughs) yeah the white house team goes on to tell cnn president biden is crisscrossing the country and he's doing it at a rate that exceeds his predecessors Oh, please he's talking to the american people about their lives and the issues that matter to them and he says he's doing a great job of communicating with americans and he has a digital strategy that highlights how he's fighting for America's families. Uh, well, um, no, I, I don't. Th- crisscrossing to where? I've seen him pop up at a couple of places, like a union membership. He was in. Meeting. He was in Vegas. He kind of pops in and does a few minutes, and then pops out. Well, and I don't think that that's talking to the American people no. about what matters most, because usually when I see these little video clips, it's him making some statement, people looking uncomfortable, and then the clip ends. The uh, White House uh, says we're going to stick to this strategy. We think it's a winner. CNN makes a note that Biden has done one quarter as many interviews as Trump did at the same point in his presidency and one fifth as many as President Obama at the same point in his presidency. 512-836-0590. We have news next at the top of the hour. Much more coming up with Mark, Melinda, and Ed.
Maybe you or someone you know has a serious medical condition. Maybe you're just looking for answers on why you're not feeling well. Well, we've got a great show for you on KLBJ. Hi, I'm Ron Aaron with WellMed Radio, an entertaining and detailed look at health and wellness for seniors and other adults aged 18 to 101. We bring you recommendations on how to live longer and healthier lives. Tune in to WellMed Radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. with the Caregiver SOS show immediately following right here on News Radio KLBJ.